Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we focus again this week during our Advent by candlelight on the work of John the Baptist and how he understood his position as forerunner, we'll see today that he was willing to point people to the Savior. I have to tell you that, that I don't always keep up with the new phrases and ways people talk, but every once in a while I, I catch on to things. But I was shocked this week when I found out that the Oxford Dictionary listed their word, in this case, words of the year. Did you catch this? Goblin mode was the word of the year. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have heard of goblin mode? Okay, I have a couple people out there. I see some hands. Goblin mode. The way the Oxford Dictionary defines goblin mode is this. It is an unapologetic, self-guided, self-interested, greed, slovenly life that is lazy and doesn't care about societal norms and customs. I guess it developed out of COVID. It's just this idea that people are self-indulgent and live in goblin mode. Well, if you didn't hear that, now you know the word of the year. But there's another word that, that I heard recently that, that I had never put two and two together of exactly what it meant, and it's this word, the idea of being a placeholder. You see, to my old brain, a placeholder was somebody who would come and stand in line for you when you decided it was time to go to the bathroom while you were waiting for someone, and then they would hold your place in line. And I, and I suppose the meaning is sort of the same, but it's, sort of, it's got this new twist to the word placeholder. It's someone who is a temporary person that holds a position until something else unknown comes along. Yes, I know maybe some of you pay attention to Wisconsin Badger football and you know that Paul Christ was fired as the coach this year and Jim Leonard was named, well, the word they use is interim, but really he was a placeholder, right? Until it was time to hire the coach for, well, hopefully the next several years, Luke Fickle. And so that idea of placeholder is something that really fits the description of John the Baptist as forerunner. His job was to get people ready for something else that was coming, something that was yet unknown. And he understood that that was his position as he pointed people to their Savior Jesus. Listen to John the Apostle, who wrote the Gospel of John, talk about John the Baptist in his Gospel in chapter 1, verses 29 through 31. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. As we reflect on these words for a few minutes tonight, uh, let's think about John as that forerunner again. And, and as we think about John as the forerunner and see how he pointed to Jesus, let's note two things. First, he pointed to Jesus as the one who came before him and then as the one who came to save. Maybe you caught the first couple words of the text for tonight. In chapter 1 of John, verse 29, it says, the next day. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, what happened the previous day that the next day was so important? Well, the previous day, the chief priests had sent representatives out to the wilderness to see about John. 
He was preaching and there were people following him and coming out to see him and they wanted to know who he was and by whose authority he was doing those things. And they asked John point blank, are you the Messiah? And John clearly said he was not, but he did say something pretty interesting. He said, there was one coming. One is coming, John said, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. It fits in nicely with what John said the next day. When he saw Jesus and pointed to him as the Lamb of God, he spoke almost a riddle, if you think about it. He said this, The one who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Maybe we can just pick that phrase apart just a little bit. The one who comes after me. Well, we could say Jesus came after John the Baptist in birth. He was probably about six months younger than John the Baptist. We could also say he came after John in the sense that John was preaching first and then Jesus came after him. But then John says that Jesus surpassed him. Here John is clearly acknowledging that Jesus is greater than he. He's acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God. And in the mystery of God becoming flesh, John could say about Jesus that he has surpassed me. And then he takes it even one step further. Because he was before me. Even though John was born before Jesus in his eternal state as the Son of God, Jesus was before John the Baptist. And so John clearly understood who Jesus was. And because he understood who Jesus was, he understood his purpose. And that purpose, he says pretty clearly, was to reveal the Messiah to the people of Israel. We're going to focus on this aspect of John a little bit more next week, but, but it just works to, to just note for a moment tonight the humility of John the Baptist. He had followers. He had disciples, and maybe he wanted to keep them. Maybe he wanted them to continue to follow him. But again, he understood what it meant to be a forerunner, and he kept pointing people to Jesus. He was selfless in understanding what Jesus came to do was more important than what John was there to do. Maybe you've heard this quote from President Truman before. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. A lot of sports teams, I think, use that concept. But John didn't care who got the credit. All he wanted to do was point to the one who was going to credit the righteousness of Jesus to us. Jesus, our Savior. That next day when, when Jesus walked by John, John clearly identified who Jesus was. He pointed his disciples to Jesus and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That phrase, the Lamb of God, would have brought with it some richness, some understanding from the people of Israel who were used to sacrifices, specifically the sacrifices of lambs. Over and over and over again, those Old Testament sacrifices were made for sins, but they could not completely take those sins away. Look, the Lamb of God carried with it a picture, the picture of that forgiveness, taking away sin, probably would have directed people's thoughts to one specific lamb, the lamb of the Passover. You remember the Passover celebration? A commemoration of what had happened to have God lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, but an opportunity to look forward as well, 
Because that Passover lamb was an Old Testament type of the Messiah, of Jesus. Think about it. That lamb that was used for the Passover celebration was to be a male, year-old lamb without defect. That describes Jesus too, doesn't it? In his perfection. The writer to the Hebrews says it this way, In Jesus we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. But the picture of the Old Testament lamb as a type of Christ goes even further. That Old Testament lamb was sacrificed. Sacrificed for the people as they spread the blood of that lamb on their doorposts and door frames. That was what allowed the angel to pass over their homes. In the same way Jesus was willing to give up his own life, to sacrifice himself so that we too can be passed over from judgment. Finally, that blood, the blood that was shed, saved the people of Israel, just as Jesus' blood saves you and me. I suppose if John the Baptist were here tonight, he might say to us the exact same phrase that he said to his followers, look, look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because though 2,000 years have passed, nothing has changed. That Phrase of John, look the Lamb of God, his words echo through the centuries right to you and me today to know that what Jesus came to this earth to do is exactly what he did, to save sinners. Look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Every impure thought, every unkind word, every selfish action, those are all taken care of on the cross of Jesus. God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. That's the truth that we get to see that John is pointing to as the forerunner of Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Just Let's pause just a moment to think about those words, the world. How Jesus is a sacrifice for all sins. Can you imagine what it would be like if John the Baptist had said, look the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of some? Or look the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of many? Maybe we would be sitting here tonight wondering, am I part of the some? Am I even part of the many? But the words John uses leave no doubt. Look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world means you are included. I am included. We're people for whom Jesus went to the cross to die. We're the people for whom Jesus sacrificed, shed his blood so that we stand before God holy and blameless. And it's in that love, the love that our Savior has demonstrated to us first, that we live for him. That we, like John, want to point others to the grace of our Savior so they, can they too can look at the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that Lamb, that Lamb of God, he's worthy of our praise. Later in his life, John saw his revelation. And in that revelation, he saw the elders around the throne. And here's what he witnessed. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. That's your Savior and mine too. A couple of quick takeaways from our devotion tonight. Number one, Jesus, the Lamb of God, is unsurpassed as the one who came to save. 
In his letter to the Colossians, the Apostle Paul described Jesus this way, that in Jesus, all the fullness of the deity, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. Then number two, Jesus, the Lamb of God, is worthy of praise because he sacrificed himself for us and for all people. Now, the immortal, the invisible, the eternal, the only God, to him be glory and power forever and ever, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. That's the Savior that we worship, the one who sacrificed himself for us. I'm sure if I asked you to tonight, you probably could sing at least a couple verses of the nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb. But I wonder if you know all six verses to the nursery rhyme. Maybe some of you do. And if you think about Mary Had a Little Lamb, it seems maybe like kind of a cute story, but did you know that it actually is based in truth? That the reason that the first few lines of the poem were written was because there really was a Mary. Her name was Mary Elizabeth Sawyer. And she lived in the early 1800s. And there was a lamb born on her farm that was born a little sickly and weak. And she cared for that lamb, nursed it back to health. And because of that, the lamb truly did follow her everywhere she went, including to school. And that's where the poem began. One of Mary's fellow students was so struck by the fact that this little lamb, who Mary did say his fleece was white as snow, followed her to school, and he jotted down a few lines that later became the basis for the poem and the nursery rhyme that we know as Mary Had a Little Lamb. I suppose we could say that that nursery rhyme has made Mary's Little Lamb maybe one of the more famous lambs that the world knows about, at least in the last couple centuries, until we remember John the Baptist's words, look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the lamb who truly makes a difference. That's the lamb to whom John, as the forerunner of Jesus, was pointing. It's the lamb who assures us that our sins are forgiven. And it's the lamb who has a place held for us with him forever in eternity. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We know that includes each one of us. You have forgiven all of our sins, made us your own children and heirs of eternal life. As we think about Jesus coming at Christmas and his coming again to bring us home to you, we know, Lord, that you are with us always, that our sins are gone and we stand before you righteous and blameless. Fill our hearts with comfort and courage at that message. And lead us to look ahead to the joy that is waiting for us with you forever. Continue to watch over the students as they finish out the semester. Give them, Lord, all that they need to, to meet the, the requirements that, are, that, are, that they face in, in all of their classes and the other responsibilities that they have. We ask you, Lord, to take their anxiety and worries away. Remind them that you are always with them and give them strength to complete those tasks. We pray all of these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.